Happy Thanksgiving, Magic players. Happy Thanksgiving, Magic player. It is Thanksgiving today, and we're back already with a new episode of EDH Takes. You never think you would see it. What is this, like a two-day turnaround? Pretty tired episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, as you'll see, we've got a pretty easy topic lined up. But first, I'm Elijah Samuelson. And I'm Spencer Cook. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> we we had a little little drink on before before starting. You 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 voted and we have <laughs> we've we've honored the vote a little bit. Um, not quite drunk, but you know, yes. I hope I hope it'll do. Just a little little tippled. Yeah. Um, but today, yeah, we're going to be talking about. Well, let me just back up for a second. The, what's the most important thing? For a holiday episode, Eli, and that, and I'll answer that for you. It's putting as little effort as possible into the episode because you're out enjoying your holiday. It's the holidays. Mm-hmm. What do you want from? We're working on the holidays. Yeah. So you get what you get. The last episode was about expectations. Don't expect something crazy on the holiday. Of course. Well, one thing you can definitely expect, and you will always see, is uh, you know when when shows go a certain length of time. They run out of ideas, mm-hmm. and they do this thing called the clip show to buy them time until they get their next idea. Exactly. So we thought it would be fun to go through, and like it's it's thematic. We're going to give thanks for the all the growth we've had, yeah, and some magic related stuff, some cards, some sets. But we wanted to kind of go through and look over our episodes we've had so far, and just to kind of talk and deconstruct some stuff, mm-hmm. and look behind the curtain. Maybe, you know, give you some insight, maybe say what we learned, or things that we, you know, we got wrong pretty poorly, or, you know, stuff like that. So, why don't we start with everybody's favorite episode, EDH Takes Episode Zero, the pilot episode, the unreleased until now. Yeah, the secret episode, but we are planning on putting the link to it in the description. So, if you want to, so if you want a bonus episode of EDH Takes, uh, it was, a uh, Recorded, I think, in November of 2020 or something along those lines. Sounds right, yeah. And it was a set review of uh, Zendikar Rising. We don't really do set reviews, but we really wanted to... We were just kind of uh, getting into it. And we wanted trying... to test out the dynamic and see how easy it would be to carry a conversation about Magic and Commander for that length of time. And I think it went around two hours. Yeah. It was kind of fun. It was kind of exhausting. Because we had a lot of cards on there to go through. And the best part is we did all the... we, we uh, When I say set review, I think we reviewed every legendary creature. I think that's what we did. Or did we... Uh, no, we did more Nearly too. ever. Sorry. Or we, nearly everyone. We, we left out the best legendary creature on accident. Omnath. Locust of Rage. Locust of Mana? No, what is his name? It's not Locust of Rage. The four color Omnath. Four color one. Yeah. yeah. Um, we left him out on, on accident, which is kind of funny. Because I, I do honestly think that's well, the best I, card. I remember us listening to it afterwards... And realizing that, and then saying, you know what? Let's not even acknowledge it. Let's just leave it out. It's yeah. kind of a good meme. Yeah. But what did you learn from that episode, Eli? I learned how wonderful the words like and um are from listening to it. And I learned how wonderful it is to not have to do set reviews. Yeah, that was actually... So we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but we uh, we don't really do set reviews around here. No, we the most we do is maybe kind of a, a mini selection of cards from sets every once in a while. Yeah. I think we've done that twice at this point. Yeah, I think the main problem with a set review is 
per each set, there are some cards you can clearly see were designed at least a little bit with Commander in mind. That might not always be the case, and there, there are definitely cards that aren't designed for Commander that we like and we play with. Yeah. And so we thought maybe we could have a different perspective on that, but there's also some things you just kind of have to address, such as the legendary creatures... Or the some very blatant staples, cards. Like, yeah, new like, staples like that, that white blasphemous act card that just came out, Vanquish the it Vanquish the Horde. Yeah. yeah, so we felt like cards like Vanquish the Horde or cards like Smothering Tide. You know, you get these cards. There's nothing really that unique to say about them aside, unless you're going to say this card really isn't that good. But then sometimes you just be lying. Yeah, and we're not. We try to have some some unique takes and perspectives, but we're being we're genuine. We're not we're not we're not. You know, hamming up our takes to be controversial. Yeah, if there's a good card, we're not going to, like, say Ancestral Recall wouldn't be playable in Commander. No, I wouldn't say <laughs> that's that. Just, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we... Let's move on. We got a lot. We got 20 episodes plus some other videos that we've done to go through. So let's not dwell too much on yeah, episode you can, zero. You can listen to that episode. Yep, it'll be in the description or the comments or something like that. Oh, boy. We got episode one. Boros, MLD is not the answer. I feel like this episode went really well because it was something that... So there are things in Magic that I'm pretty passionate about, but I try to keep an open mind and not get like, not feel like too big for my britches, I guess, and feel like uh, I'm some kind of expert on stuff. That's maybe one thing I feel pretty confident in my knowledge of. Mm -hmm. The Boros uh, is, uh, mythos. <laughs> yeah, Boros cards. Yeah. And interestingly enough about this Boros episode was, this was our first episode because it was a topic that we felt at the time, um, really like more, many Commander players or podcasts stuff like that weren't really saying what we felt about it. Um, and it was interesting because we kind of laid out this, this idea of Boros has access to all of these effects like card advantage and mana ramp and stuff like that, all, all the things Commander decks need to do, before what was essentially the year of Boros, right? Since yeah, then. this was uh, recorded, I believe, on January 1st, New Year's Day. Yeah. And uh, before sets like Strixhaven, Kaldheim, all these things. In the spring, we had the Strixhaven Commander decks with such as cards such as Ozgear, and we're going to talk about that later, but there was kind of this Boros renaissance mm -hmm. around then. And we talked, I know at one point we talked about how the professor made a video um, uh, talking about, you know, the new Strixhaven, Boros, or Lorehold, I suppose, stuff, and he was saying stuff along the lines of, like, this is a new Boros, and if they return to old Boros, it's a mistake, and, you know, like, they, they're regressing. But, Eli, I think you and I definitely hold the position that this new stuff that Boros is doing, they always had access to it, and they always were able to do it, just not as, like, it wasn't as as uh, explicit as it is now. Yeah, and we, we talk about my uh, my kind of a uh, little bit of cringy mantra that I had created, the, the three R's of Boros, mm -hmm. and that literally is what they did with Lorehold. Yeah. And pretty much what we were saying in the video is that thing existed. Yeah. You could do that with white cards and red cards. It was just rare that you would get a specifically Boros-colored card that was along those themes because they had a certain design that they went with for most Boros cards. It was relegated mostly to combat. But you could have red cards that rummage, and you could have white cards that recur things. And mm -hmm. there's nothing to say. You can't just... Stick play. those together. Yeah. Like, people do that in other color combinations, and they'll create, like, new interesting things, but for some reason... They just they just hadn't printed, like, what was it, the, the, the history card that, like, gets back a bunch of things. What's that color? You know what I'm talking about? 
yeah reconstruct history like that that's it's pre- it's a pretty clear example of like that effect but yeah. they, it wasn't as uh it wasn't as you know clear i suppose i think the main issue is people usually take their cues from their legendary creature their commanders yeah when building a deck and you can definitely build a totally different theme than what your commander would say like something like gisela doesn't really push you in a specific theme it's just a, it's a good card but it, you know, it makes sense that you might want to play some sort of reanimation or recursion or things like that in a Boros deck. Like later, they came out with stuff like Ozir, like you mentioned, stuff like Alibu, stuff like Plarg, um, which kind of, kind of epitomizes that that idea. But yeah, Ozir very clearly tells you, rummage thing, put things in your graveyard, and I will reward you. Yeah, they didn't really have that before, so I can see how it it felt like a mostly combat focused color combination. That's definitely what the com- commanders would push you towards, but. There's it was kind of people turned around a little bit, I think. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm personally I'm pretty proud of that video. Um, maybe it's not as uh, technically sound as maybe some of our newer videos. Not saying that they're they're amazing or whatever, but like you know, it was our first episode, so it, it's going to have some some issues. Like yeah. it doesn't have like the lower thirds. Maybe some of the uh, the images don't come out the way I want them to in the video. But it's it's overall I'm happy with it. And we got a comment from the war leader, PJ himself. Very very uh, humbling. No, but, well, let's move on from that, Eli. Episode 2, Better Than Soul Ring? <laughs> yeah, so, before we started recording the podcast, I had this, uh, like, notes document on my phone of just random show ideas for a podcast if I ever started one. And this this was one of them because I, uh, I play a lot of the card Land Tax, and I just got to thinking how many games I play Soul Ring versus, like, another card like Land Tax or Weathered Wayfarer. And how better some of those games felt than the Soul Ring hands. Mm-hmm. So this whole topic was about cards, um, specifically one drops that sometimes you know can be better than a Soul Ring, or or maybe and and to some we did talk about that, but also cards that are maybe not better than a Soul Ring, but like in that same category of like a really early play that sets you up for the game. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I really liked about this episode was it gave me a chance to kind of flex some statistical knowledge so i i did i ran some very not very complicated but you know reasonably complicated numbers on stuff like opening hands um how many one drops you play like and how often like you can have one of these soul ring-esque cards in your opening hand as well as the lands to play them um and it was pretty surprising like if you do like the numbers are in that video but if you look at it like playing something like six or seven really good like one turn one plays like, can lead you to have the ability to play one of those, I don't remember the odds, but something like 40 or 60% of the games or something. Yeah, and, and obviously the title's a little hyperbolic. It's a little bit clickbaity. There really isn't a better card than Soul Ring, aside from maybe Mana Crypt sure. in Commander. But also, there there is a, a school of thought. I I don't necessarily always subscribe to it, but the idea that you play turn one Soul Ring... And people just kick the shit out of you. Yeah. And I have been in those games, so sometimes that's a thing, but sometimes Soul Ring is just so good. It's a broken magic Sometimes card. you'd rather have a Sarah Ascendant in your hand than a Soul Ring. It happens sometimes. That's the idea. I, I'm safer in that game, I feel like. You, than... you get that life You get that life lead, you start beating on people. Maybe they kill your Sarah Ascendant, but like there's... I mean, you're, yeah, you're not, you're not jumping ahead on mana. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's say we move on. Maybe we're going. To, we're taking a bit too long these on these uh, each episode, but whatever. Now we got episode three: call time cards we dig and some we don't. 
So this was our take on the set review format for an official episode. The idea was not like a full set review, just some very specific and maybe niche cards that we didn't feel like most people would talk about that much that we thought were cool. The the idea was more like cards that we could see ourselves putting in our decks that weren't super, you know, like, like uh, obviously commander good cards. Right, because a problem I have with commander set reviews is... Uh, the Command Zone has specifically gotten better at this recently because they realized they were doing so many set reviews, but they've cut down the amount of cards they're talking about because Commander set reviews, I think they have a tendency to look at any card that they think is even a fringe playable in the Commander format, and they will discuss it for upwards of like five minutes. Well, I've had that problem myself when I'm like trying to like sort my own cards like in like my, my, my collection because I'm just like... Hmm, can I put this in the bulk box? Well, maybe I'd play this in a commander deck one yeah, day. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so... But you really don't. And then I put it in the commander staples file when it really shouldn't be. So to me, it feels like having five or so different podcasts where they talk about the same random bulk rare cards that nobody is ever going to actually play, that just felt like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So we tried to pick cards that we actually, like you said, would specifically play in our decks... And the problem was, we just had a lot to say about it. Yeah. And it still went for, like, two hours. And just to, to talk for a second as well, um, one thing I, like, Command Zone, it's a, you know, they're the biggest podcast, and one thing that I like about um, the Command Zone is when they talk about things that aren't set reviews and deck uh, upgrades, because it feels like over the course of the last six months, like, 60, 70, 80% of their podcast episodes have been, you know, reviewing cards and I just think that the the topics that are more talking about a, a you know a concept are, are more entertaining to me. Yeah, I, I get actively excited now when I see a command zone. It's and it has an actual topic, and it's not just budget upgrade guide for this random precon that you probably don't care that much about. Yeah, or and there's there's value to that content. That's for somebody. It's just it's not for me, and I. You know, it's maybe it feels a little greedy, but I want to make content that I would that you, enjoy. That you would like, yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on. Episode four, When Politics Go Wrong. What do you have to say about this episode, Eli? Oh, boy. So this was, I think this was around the time or after uh, I had a bit of a falling out with a, with a friend over some commander. And we wanted to talk about the idea of, you know, Command Zone or Game Nights, they'll, they'll portray a very kind of happy... Magical Christmas landy version of politics where everyone's always like having fun with it and getting along, and it's just. Yeah, it's not always the case, I would say. You don't see portrayals of people getting upset when they can't come to an agreement in the game mm-hmm. or when things don't work out how they want them to. Yeah, so this episode was kind of us trying to give that perspective of um, politics have their place, but also, you know, sometimes they 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 don't work out the way that you want them to, and they just kind of either s- slow a game down or make players, you know, unhappy or just kind of make it less fun for certain players as well. So that was kind of the, the topic of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that one went pretty well. I was pretty happy with that episode. Mm-hmm. And now we're entering the uh, the lapel mic arc. Yeah. Uh, the upstairs yeah, we, saga. We, we, we uh, changed our studio location and tried out these uh, lapel mics, which are these little mics that you uh, you clip to like your, your clothes or something. Yeah, since I started the podcast, it was my birthday, I think, and I had 
Got a really nice gift from my brother. It was these uh, lapel mics for recording the podcast. And they are, they are pretty nice and they, they will have use for us in the future, I'm sure. But we tried recording a few episodes with them and just found that while not bad, we prefer the audio quality of our Snowball and our other microphone. Yeah. So we recorded a few episodes with that, but we, we stopped after that. But yeah, the spirit of EDH was just... Uh, I wanted to talk about the idea... That there is a spirit of EDH or like a wrong and a right way to play and what that even means because so many people have different ideas about it. Yeah, people will always will always go to the that's against the spirit of the EDH. That's the phrase people will use, and you know it's it's not a very concrete thing. Much like a spirit, <laughs> you know, the, the idea of a spirit in general, yeah. not concrete. Very, it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we pretty much talked about that. Um, and uh, how it means different things to different people. And I think we ended up... I think our, our conclusion was that the spirit of EDH was self-expression. Because that was something that we just determined could... A common theme across every commander player. Yeah. Whether it be expressing yourself in deck building, in gameplay decisions, and you know, maybe you do politics... Maybe, you know... Whatever you would choose to do, it's self-expression. must be... It feels like everybody can, can you know, kind of identify with... Yeah, because I feel like even somebody who rarely plays Commander and they borrow somebody's deck or they play a brand new pre-con, there's still some level of expression in that, whether it's which deck they choose to play or how they choose to play it, like you said, like the gameplay. There's some level of self-expression in there. Mm -hmm. And we asked for feedback on the microphones, and none of you fuckers said they sounded bad, so (laughs) screw you guys. (laughs) Yeah, we know who our friends are. <laughs> or maybe maybe they were just trying to be too nice. That's we get a, a lot of nice comments, I gotta say. Yeah. Well, next episode, episode six, Blue Needs to Be Stopped. Um, coming off of our episode one, talking about the Boros color combination, you know, it, it, only, it only stands to reason that we would have to make an episode shitting on Blue. And when I say shitting on Blue, I mean more so us talking about all the strengths of Blue and all the reasons that Blue, you know, is... is I, I hesitate to say oppressive, but, you know, kind of approaching that territory. I'm of the belief, and I will not be... I will not leave... The, I'll, I'll die on this hill. As If we're talking high-power commander, or CDH, blue is just the strongest color in that format of magic. And I think one of the reasons why that that, that is, or at least would, things that would lead you to that conclusion, is that blue seems to have access to... Like, pretty much every uh, concept of, like, things you can do. Like, they can remove things, they can draw things, they can ramp in their own special way. They have interesting ways to do a lot of things. They can board wipe, they can... It seems like there's not much that Blue can't do. Yeah, and this might not seem like a very controversial opinion, but I think what prompted this one was was my personal hatred of the color. And also, this was around the time when people started to really meme on green and be like oh my god, this green card, it does way too much, it's too strong, when will the other colors finally catch up, and yeah. green OP. It's like, oh, green gets to do everything. Well, it's like blue's been able to do everything for all the time. And also, mm-hmm. blue has, like, almost, like, like not soul access, but, like, pr- like pretty close to soul access to a lot of powerful um, mechanics, like, and I know this isn't, it's not a hundred, it's not a, a hundred zero rule, but they, they're pretty much the, the color with stuff like extra turns, you know, mass bounce spells, um, control magic effects, 
you can find them sparingly in other colors, but um, that's that's something that mostly blue has access to. Counter spells. Yeah, and especially comparing, as far as colors, the amount of free interaction that each color gets. Mm-hmm. Blue has the most, and its free interaction is usually in the form of counter spells, yeah. which are, are in their own right very powerful. Yeah, because counter spells aren't just removal spells; they're removal spells, protection spells. Um, they can pretty much serve any purpose, depending on at what point in the game you play them. Yeah, people like to say each color has different permanent types that they can't interact with, aside from white can deal with everything. Let's say blue can't destroy artifacts, enchantments, or creatures. But really, I look at it this way. Blue can interact with every spell type, because the other colors can't really interact with instants and sorceries. Yeah, with notable exceptions, but generally, yeah, yes. Yeah, there are some ways, but yeah, blue can so it not only has a way to really deal with every permanent type, but every spell type. And they as well. can even deal with things that usually get around those effects. Like they can get they can stop like, you know, cycling abilities, like triggered and inaccurate abilities as well. Mm-hmm. So you can't even like be like, oh I'm not even I'm cycling my spell, so so you can't counterspell it. Well I'll play disallow and counter the ability, you know? Yeah. But well let's move on from that. The next episode is episode seven, The Amazing Basic Land. And the concept of this episode was we wanted to talk about how we think basic lands are a little bit undervalued. Um, there's because there's a lot of ways that you can play, you know, hate cards to hate on non-basic lands, and basic lands just do a pretty good job in a lot of senses. Mm-hmm. And this, we, this reminds me of a I was watching the recent game nights, and early in the game, I think each player was playing a two-color deck, except for Lady Danger playing mono black. And multiple players open up with very early some form of dual-colored tap land. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very common thing in Commander. But why not just play basics, right? I, I Personally, um, I've got a two-color Orzov deck, and it's... It's playing only basic lands. And it's kind of like a joke, like not a joke, but it's kind of like a thing. Like, oh, you know, I could put Command Tower in it, it'd be better. You know, I could put like, you know, Shock Lands and stuff. But it's kind of like a, 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 to make the point of, your mana is pretty much just fine with only basics in a two-color deck. Yeah. And, you know, you'd be better off playing, you know, the Enter's Untapped two-color lands. That, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I would not, I think you're much better off playing just basic lands over stuff like Guild Gates. Yeah, like... For example, my Tajik deck. It's a two-color deck. I think I'm playing nearly every Boros dual land that I can, just so I can have red-red or white-white on turn two if I have, like, a Grand Abolish or something like that. Yeah. But that's a very small advantage that I'm trying to hedge out. But, like, what what you're saying about your Liesa deck, it's totally functional. Yeah, it, it does its job just fine. Maybe every once in a while you won't have the exact mana you need, but, I mean, I think it's it's really overblown how important um, multicolored lands are in decks that are just two colors. Mm-hmm. I think you were talking about that that um, that game earlier, Eli, and you said somebody, I think somebody had a Cabal Coffers, right? And they didn't even have, like, they had, like, two Swamps in play or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's it, you know, if you just played more basic lands, maybe you'd be, you know what I'm saying? Um, but whatever. Um, also, something we learned from this episode is... Uh, to vet my info, because I had heard from what I thought was a reputable source that um, you could uh, get snow... There's some snow-basic things with cards like Myriad Landscape. Yeah. We were wrong about that. That was my mistake. I heard it from... Someone made a video about it, and I trusted them. Never do that again. I'm just kidding. Um, we were set up. Yeah. People were, were, were 
scheming against us since the beginning. Yeah, the magic content creator cabal. What is man's own professor and yeah, all them. What's the they what's meet the, on their special island? What's the like? What's the uh, the medical condition where I think everyone's out to get me? That's paranoid schizophrenic or something like that or yeah. something whatever. That's 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 me right now. Um, okay, episode eight. This card is so underplayed. Um, Eli, why don't you talk about what this episode was about? Yeah, so this was an idea that I wanted to do because there's this phenomena on Magic Twitter and Magic Spaces in general where people will, especially for Commander, they always want to prove how how clever they are, how unique they are, and like we said, that's the spirit of the format. Yeah, nothing wanna, nothing wrong with like kind of flexing, be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm cool, I like this. Yeah, you want to express yourself, you want to play unique unique cards, you you want to have your own personal flair, and people do that a lot. So they'll find a card and say something along the lines of, oh, this card is so underplayed, it's only in this many decks on EDH rec, or I never see people play this card. Mm-hmm. And it'll usually be a card that you look at and you think, well, that's not bad, but I can definitely see why people would prefer to play better cards. Yeah. And what really uh, sparked this one was around the time we needed a show topic idea, we were on Magic Twitter and saw our boy Murph. Josh Murphy, at uh, also named Josh. Yeah, from the command zone, he tweeted out about the card Scarscale. Hold ritual. on a sec. He tweeted out about it two different occasions, two different yeah. times, <laughs> yeah, like different days. The, he did the double dip. Yeah, and the card Scarscale ritual is a one and a hybrid blue black for a sorcery. It says, as an additional cost to cast it, put a minus one minus one counter on a creature you control, and then draw two cards. So it's two mana draw two if you have a creature. And in uh, in Demir colors, right? Yeah. So it's, I mean, I would argue from I mean, we don't need to we don't need to rehash this, but our main point was that no Murph, it's not underplayed, it's not that good, and I think our main criticism um, was mostly how people go about um, touting their cards because there's we we can't really criticize someone for like being like, hey, this is a card I play. So I think what I suggested in that episode was I, I told people that they should approach this by saying, like, hey, this is a cool card, try it out if you want, instead of saying it's underplayed. Yeah, I'd say put forward the information, let people make of it what they will, instead of injecting maybe uh, hyperbolic amounts of positivity into this card and leading people astray, maybe. Especially if you are, like, Murph isn't, like, a big person in the scene or anything, but say somebody really big, like Command Zone, they talk about this this random new card. Like they they did episodes like that back in the day, and people might listen to that and try out these cards because they they well they, these guys said it was really good. Yeah. What 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 the do we do we do we want to attribute the price of uh, Vidal Canori to Josh Lequai or do do you think it do you think it's fair to attribute the price increase to him? I think partially at least at least partially. So they have a big platform. Yeah, and I mean. Eli, you know, you and I both are not huge fans of Adele Canori, um, and we can disagree with that. But it's it's just an interesting, you know, example of uh, well, we I mean, we shouldn't we don't think people should. Let's just move on from that, okay? Thank you. Uh, so bullying Murph is cool. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, we was, we like Murph. That was a fun episode. That's uh, I like that topic. Um, next is uh, when we started. Now this isn't our podcast episodes, but. This is where we started doing our tier list videos that we've done, and if you're waiting for those, we got you know we'll have another one coming out pretty soon. I'm sorry, 
Um, but we did both the Boros tier list and an Orzov tier list. And, you know, so far, these have been the most viewed videos on our channel, so people definitely like these. I don't know what it is, but the, the tier list videos, they, they fucking pop off. I think it's because people just want to uh, see a tier list and then disagree with it. <laughs> we get a lot of comments, and I love that. It's really good uh, interaction and uh, engagement for the community. But it's also really fun because it's interesting because the tier list videos are... Um, I wouldn't say a lot less effort, but they are less effort to put together than our podcast episodes because you don't really need to plan anything. We can just kind of go. Maybe we think about some of the cards a little bit, but we just kind of go in and it's do it. It's unscripted, totally. Like, not that this is scripted, but we don't have notes or anything. We just go in and we talk. And it's 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 very fun because you know it's 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 I enjoy making those videos, and you know I'm I I'm glad people like them. Um, so thank you if you if you like those videos. Um, yeah, and I'm always surprised to see uh, it's the Orzov one. That's the most viewed video on our channel, like by a pretty significant margin. It's at like four and a half thousand or something like that. It's I over think. five thousand wow. right now. It's crazy. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and then after that, we we did the we did a live deck building video, which um, we did Liesa uh, Dusk Dusk Crowd or whatever her name is. Um, yeah, from uh, Commander Legends. Yeah, and uh, uh, that has you know some views and stuff. But I, I'm overall, I'm not super happy with that video. Um, there's some small technical issues with it, like, uh, the aspect ratio is a bit messed up. Um, I think the, the format was just screen recording us making a deck on Architect, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, we forgot a lot of things. It was, it was just kind of an impromptu thing. If you like it, you like it. Fair enough. Yeah, it was pretty low effort. It was just for fun. And I, what I wanted to ask you looking at this, uh, I don't remember too much of that video, but not much of that made it into your actual Liesa deck that you made a couple months later. No, it? Um, it was that's uh, it was kind of just like to think of a theme or whatever, and like build it like in a certain way. And it wasn't actually how I actually made the deck, so it's a bit interesting how that works out sometimes, right? Yeah. However, the sub theme we put in there with the Alliance of Arms. That made it into my Shadrick Silverquill deck. Yeah, the idea is like Alliance of Arms and like Massacre Worm kind of things. Yeah, and it's, it's really cool and it's fun because a lot of those cards are just good on themselves and then you have Alliance of Arms, which isn't that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, you play it with Shadricks or something and you get a bunch of 1-1s and then you make yours into 2-2s two so at least like you block everybody. And then you play a Massacre Worm and kill everyone. Very yeah. cool. But usually they just trade them into each other before the turn before you can do yeah. that in my experience and that kind of works with your commander a little bit because you know shadrix makes two ones for people mm -hmm. and you can you can do that um okay after that we have episode nine building for the meta um eli why don't you talk about what this episode is about yeah so this one we wanted to talk about how <clears throat> i think you and i we have uh several different play groups we play with but we don't really like put cards in our decks just to own a specific kind of deck yeah. or specific people, really. Like, we don't, like, play, like, Choke or something to destroy all the forests or islands or whatever that card does that I remember. Yeah, and that can be fun, but I will play some hate cards in my decks, but usually just hate cards that I find affect the majority of players. Like, mm -hmm. you might think Rest in Peace is a pretty specific card that really only hoses graveyard decks, but really, almost every commander deck has some form of recursion in it. Yeah. Or death triggers. Any, something that, that, that a rest in peace will stop. Stuff like Skull Clamp, stuff like, you know, like you said, green decks play stuff like, like uh, Eternal Witness. You know, blue decks will play Archaeomancer. Stuff like that. Yeah, I doubt 
you play rest in peace in a game and it's completely a dead card. Yeah, dies triggers I think are are, are pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, additionally, um, we talked about a bunch of cards that we thought were kind of I know so not to use the word underrated because we just shit on people for saying underrated, but we talked about cards that we thought kind of fit that idea of um, never kind of being dead in a game for most yeah, just games. Like catch-alls, your bread and butter cards that you always need to have, your, your effects that will always do you well. I think, what was it? Was it Containment Priest that was the spark for the idea, or was it something else? Oh, yeah. we. Uh, I think it was a section on the EDH Rec cast where they were talking about silver bullet cards, and they mentioned the card Containment Priest as a silver bullet card against, say, specifically reanimators. Or a blink deck or something. And and we started talking about it and thinking, well, actually, Containment Priest is a pretty good card against a lot of decks. Because, like you said, blink strategies are a thing. Yeah. And people are oftentimes trying to recur their creatures, blink their creatures. Other other similar things, you know. I mean, so, our, our, so instead of Containment Priest being a silver bullet against certain decks, we kind of characterize it as a silver bullet against, quote-unquote, the meta. So it was it was more impactful than maybe other people would uh, think. Yeah. So we want, we broke down several sections of things that most commander decks do, which would be say drawing cards, ramping lands, playing board wipes, mm-hmm. playing creatures. I think we had a section about yeah. how commander decks be playing creatures sometimes, <laughs> right, guys? You you have at least one most we, of the time. We do a little creaturing. We do a little creatures. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that's about what we have for that episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Our next episode, go ahead. We have Rule Zero, the Nothing Rule. This was a spicy topic. And this took a lot of uh, a lot of planning for, I believe. We had to do a lot of research about, from stuff like the Rules Committee. We listened to some podcasts and stuff that people, had, people members of the Rules Committee had been on. Yeah, straight from the mel- mouth of Sheldon. Yeah. So we, we talked about um, Rule Zero and a lot of things surrounding that and how we pretty much ended up feeling that Rule Zero was very confusing and we didn't quite understand it or at least it wasn't fair for anyone to understand it like exactly. Right. Like the title suggests, I feel like Rule Zero could just as well not exist and it would the format would be fine. It would be the same. I don't think there would be much of a difference. Yeah, and like you said, rule zero, if you really do understand it, it's it does take a little bit of nuance and some uh, extra understanding. It, it took, like, like, we did, like, not to, like, big ourselves up here, but, like, we did a pretty decent amount of research to figure out what exactly rule zero means. And our conclusion from that was that it means, like, three different things at different times from different people. So it was, there's not, like, a very good... Um, I know at one point in the, in the episode we asked, hey guys, if you have any suggestions for like a, a concise way to explain New Rule Zero, you know, comment it there. I think we got a couple good comments for that. Mm-hmm. People, you know, giving us some, some, some pretty good suggestions. But I think if that's even the case, um, it kind of exemplifies why it's so confusing. Yeah. So that was a good one. I, I like that episode. Mm-hmm. And then after that we had our Azorius tier list, next video in the tier list uh, section. Um, I think you and I don't play very much Azorius, so it was kind of interesting to go through those commanders. Yeah, my only real experience with Azorius is playing an Esper deck, which originally I was planning on having it be Azorius, and then I decided, no, this would be cooler if it had black too. Exactly. Um, 
So yeah, let's just move on from that. Episode 11, Has EDH Ruined Magic? And I think, if I recall correctly, this episode is more about like how wizards uh, are doing things like designing cards for... Uh, commander specifically and they're do- like they're taking slots from standard sets and like they they make a lot of like commander decks and stuff like that yeah around this time and to this day there's a lot of talk of product fatigue in magic and especially around commander we just had last year right was the year of commander the year of commander it's and it feels like this year is also the year of commander right every year is the year of commander i mean kind of honestly um but yeah so this kind of episode was mostly about kind of evaluating. I think one of the things we talked about in this episode was like, um, it's it's confusing because I think I, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said. I said something along the lines of magic players have a hard time even knowing what it is they want. So let's say that like like that wizard starts like making like really crazy like made for commander cards, right? Like let's say they start making like commanders that are like really like off the wall and like you can have 150 cards in your commander deck or something and stuff like that right stuff that i think i you know most players probably would be against right the idea of because like oh that's that's crazy that's way too format warping but the thing is i think like i could definitely envision mechanics that i think i wouldn't like and then they make them and then i see how they end up making them and i'm like oh actually this is really cool i like this I think this kind of... I was thinking about stuff like Companion for this, because Companion was such a big change for Commanders and stuff like that. Yeah, there's so much magic product and different ideas they have that I I think about, and I think if somebody had told me this was going to be a thing, I would say I hate that. And then it came out, and you were like... it happens, and I And you're like, oh. At worst, I, I would say I don't care. And at best, you know, it's like, this is actually really cool. Yeah, you have to... You gotta try. It's very it's very easy to just dismiss something you hear about without trying it. And I think, you know, similar to, you know, if you're a kid and you're trying new food, you never know if you're going to like it or not. Mm-hmm. So it's hard just to look at that from a from a top-down view and, and, and get it exactly right. Yeah. All right, our next episode, episode 12, How Does the Ban List Work? This was a fun episode. This was another one that took some research into kind of the Rule Zero philosophy and how the Commander Rules Committee assesses the ban list and yeah. how they go about banning cards. And it was very interesting because we uh, we did this ban list episode and we, and we did a lot of research and looking at all the stuff and it feels like when the Rules Committee did their new ban restricted update for Golos and uh, Worldfire... I felt like I was ready. I felt like I would see the next one coming and then that happened and it's just, well, well fuck, back to the drawing board. Because it, it felt like they didn't follow their previous reasons for banning cards it felt like it wasn't a consistent with what we had looked into on this episode it was strange yeah that being said uh, i don't remember which episode it was it was either this or before this i remember i had at one point uh put a little funny meme in one of the videos as like unban Worldfire. so i I predicted it guys before it happened so give me credit for that (laughs) the uh the clairvoyant the prophet yeah the prophet of crufix unban that too by the way i love that card yeah why not yeah Based, um, oh, I met. Do you ever, Eli? Do you play a decent bit of Commander when that was around? Do you ever play so a Simic deck? I that was when I like started playing Commander, but I didn't play that often. That was not my main format at the time. So, and I bet you didn't play Simic. 
Oh, you're not, definitely not. So, I, had, I had one commander deck, maybe two. So you uh, you played against the Prophet of Crufix, whereas I played... I had a Crufix deck that I... Lo- uh, actually, sorry, it was Crufix, then one point later it was uh, Zagana. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I loved playing Prophet of Crufix. That was a fun-ass card. I think I probably wouldn't like it as in franchise as I am now, because I was, I was a new player, mm-hmm. but I loved it. <laughs> That's a tangent that we didn't need to go on, though. But yeah, the, how does the ban list work? So that was a good topic to... You see a lot of people online, especially on, say, Reddit, you know. My favorite website, yeah. <laughs> and uh, anytime a banning happens, or anytime Sheldon says anything, you get a bunch of people saying stuff like, Oh, the rules committee, they're so fucking dumb, I could do it better. Oh yeah, this was an episode where we really kind of, we really kind of put our backs, our necks on the line. Is that a phrase you can even say? We, we put our backs out and we were like... Sheldon is actually kind of based, and also all the rules committee members, they're actually kind of based. Stop hating on Shivam, he's doing a good job. Stop hating on Sheldon, he's doing a good job. I think that's kind of what we, we took away from that. Yeah, the... Or they at least they like, at least they care, and they're trying. They, they do care a lot. They mean very well, and they have taken steps to do things to appease people. The, one of the main complaints about the rules committee back in the day was that they were just an insular little group and they didn't listen to much outside feedback and people still feel that way, but they literally made a whole separate organization, the Commander Advisory Group, of a bunch of diverse people from different areas and not just in the same circle, specifically to tell them from many different perspectives when they're doing wrong. Yep, and additionally, they'll you'll find... The, the not the, just the advisory group, but like members of the rules committee going and interacting with people, talking to people. You know, they write articles and stuff. They, they, they read the comments of those. They read Reddit. They read Twitter. So, I don't know. They are going out of their way to, to at least listen. Yeah. All right. Our next episode was The Strengths of Weakness featuring our good friend Bradley Mucky. Okay. So, this episode, I've got to admit, it was our first guest we had on. I think and our only guest episode. Only guest so far. Uh, the original idea for the show was to have many guests on. Like, it would be a pretty regular thing. We'd, est- we'd establish ourselves and then maybe have a bi-monthly guest. Sure. To get more takes, because that's the idea of the show, is many different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like the keg. Exactly. <laughs> and so, we invited our friend Bradley, who has been a longtime friend of mine since since high school. We kind of... Didn't know each other so well for a few years, but we got back in touch through magic, through going to our local game store, Paradox Comics and Cards. And so we invited him on to talk about the idea of playing suboptimal cards. And and the, the, the value of that, because, you know, people will will not assess you as a threat, or people will, you know, they'll they'll see your suboptimal cards and they'll maybe cut you a break sometimes. As PJ will say... You eat a lot of removal sometimes. And if you play cards that don't necessitate that, you won't eat as much removal, as he'll say. Right. And I having your bad card is worth more than having your good card, which gets removed, right? True. I'd say so. So this episode, we, we got into it, and I was I felt ill-prepared, and just I was up in my head about it, and we started the episode, and we had... Loose show notes, but nothing real. We I think we had our least amount of notes for this one because we just we went into it. And let, I, we want to let Bradley talk, you know. And yeah, carry it. I'm of the opinion that if you're going to have somebody on your show, you give them more time to speak than 
the main host because otherwise, why are you? Even, I've listened to some podcasts, like Magic Podcasts specifically. They will invite a guest on and just carry on sort of business as usual and just have their guest sit in the corner. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Not a fan of that. So I, I feel like I threw it over to Bradley a little too quickly. I kind of like haphazardly tossed the the ball, but he fucking caught it, man. Yeah, Bradley's a he's he's a guy who can you can definitely hold a conversation well. So very very good. I think I learned from this episode a lot about having guests. So I think if we had another guest, we would probably do better ourselves. Yeah. After we recorded, I felt like I did very poorly at it, and the whole. After we started, even within the podcast, I was like, I was freaking out. I thought this has gone off the rails because we didn't have much of a script to it. But you and Bradley just kind of had a normal ass conversation. <laughs> and I listened to the episode after you edited it. And I, I thought this is going to be terrible. I did such a bad job. And I listened to it and listened to you and Bradley speaking. And I was like, wow, this is a, such a relaxed, normal vibe. I'm such a neurotic piece of shit. <laughs> and I thought it actually went really well. So big props to Bradley. He's a very charismatic person. And he's just a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. So thank you for that, Bradley. Yeah, thank you, Bradley. Shout out to Bradley. Yep. And we're going to have Bradley on our next uh, our next tier list video. Yeah, an upcoming one at least. And, Maybe uh, might be the next one. And that's the reason that the tier list video hasn't been coming out lately. And it's not Bradley's fault. It's our fault. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yep. Um, what next? What do you got, Eli? Uh, we got Selesnia tier list. So this was a this was a hard one to do because Selesnia to me is like that's like the saltine crackers of guilds. <laughs> I, I don't feel anything about it. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I want to talk about this episode was I think this was the first tier list where I started adding the card images to the videos, and I think that has improved them quite a bit because I know a lot of people were saying in the comments like hey man i really you know it'd be nice if i could read what the card does instead of just having mm-hmm. you guys read it i mean you guys reading it's fine but reading on the screen's nice so that's uh that that's third here just some some lore mm-hmm. well as as you know you you can't trust what we say yeah so oh wait was was uh was tobias andrion selesnia uh he's azorius damn it oh uh, yeah we should have mentioned that the tobias andrion test recurring bit well uh selesnia had a lot of legends commanders that suck ass so yeah, <laughs> but look pretty. Like there's this cool. I think this is cool. Like redhead girl with like roses and stuff. She's cool. Oh, uh, Jasmine Boreal. How do you know that? <laughs> okay, and, and I, this happens a lot, guys. I'm I'm like, oh yeah, there's this one random freaking white card, or I like look on Gatherer and I see like this card, and I'm like, hey Eli, do you know what, do you know what this card does? And he knows exactly what it does, and I'm like, how do you know that? I'm I'm the savant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what 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 is a uh, in Rain Man where he toothpicks on the ground? Yeah, that's me with with all the white cards. Yeah. Um, so what, what was after that? We did, oh, this is episode 14, EDH Rec. <laughs> oh, but this was a very passion episode for me. Um, I know we, Eli, you've had a bunch of passion episodes. This was me because I was really upset about some of the way that, ways that people would represent, not necessarily EDH Rec itself, but people would represent the data of EDH Rec. They would ascribe to it too much value and without going into that super far, I would just recommend you listen to the episode if you're curious. Um, it's just, uh, it, w- it was a passion passion episode for me. Yeah, one thing they'll say if you listen to the EDH Rec cast is that part of the premise of their show, I think it's in their sort of intro statement, oh, yeah. is 
they're explaining the data from. There's, we're like, just giving there, it a little a, more context. Yeah, there's a lot of data on EDA Trek. We're just going to give it a little bit more context. And and at the same time, though, they they propagate a lot of the misinformation. Yeah, but when you say things like you know this is like like I get it, they're getting more context. But when you use um the like the percentage of decks that something is in as the sole argument for something, I get it. It can be part of an argument, but they it's it seems like they say. They say, um... This card is so underplayed. This card is so underplayed, 15% of decks, QED, that's it. Like, therefore, mm-hmm. therefore it should be played more or something. It's like, that's not... Sometimes, it, they don't do it all the time, but that was a very frustrating thing for me to see. Well, that's their whole challenge the stats segment. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. Um, well, next after that, we've got episode 15, Miscellaneous Takes. I think this might have been our most controversial episode, Eli. Because <laughs> we got one negative comment. <laughs> and, and if you're there, hey, brother, I love you. Um, but, Thank you for commenting, legit. Um, yeah, we any don't... Any interaction is good interaction. We don't get enough negative uh, comments because I, I feel... I, That's true, absolutely. It makes me anxious because when everyone's agreeing with me, it makes me feel complacent. If someone has something to disagree with, it makes me feel more like, like okay, this is normal. I can I can correct myself and yeah, you know, like, improve. I, I am... Like, we are thankful for the following we've garnered and everything, but there are some episodes, like we've mentioned, I feel like are kind of bad. So if they are bad, you can say that. Yeah. It's just a statement of fact. No. <laughs> Facts don't care about our feelings. <laughs> but I care about my feelings. Um, uh, nice comments are cool too, though. So yeah. keep those up. But the miscellaneous tier takes episode, we just kind of, uh, we had like eight or ten, uh, um, you know, kind of random opinions that we had. I think maybe one of the most disagreeable ones that I was for me, where I said stuff like, Scry sucks ass. And other things like, uh, I think we talked about how, like, cards like Vampiric Tutor are a little bit, maybe a little bit not as good as they... I mean, they're obviously good, but you know what I mean. Like, they're... Demonic Tutor, cards that put the card in your yeah. hand are better than generally cards that put them on top of your deck. A little, little overhyped. Maybe a little bit, but... I think there's just a tendency to see cards that are played in a CDH deck list and say to yourself, well, this card is played in a powerful deck, ergo, this is a powerful card. Mm-hmm. Not always the case. But competitive Winota decks play fucking Ornithopter sometimes. Doesn't mean Ornithopter is like a you know a you know a, a staple Commander yeah. S plus card. Um, that being said, feel free to disagree. No worries. Um, our next episode was the Gruel tier list. This is our most recent tier list, isn't it? Man, it's been a while. Oh, uh, we did the Is It one. Oh, oh, oh one. true. Forgot about that with with the Solus and West. Um, so yeah, Gruel tier list is cool. Gruel is a cool color combination. Um, I was surprised um, by the Gruul tier list because it felt like Gruul didn't have too many like super top like S tier cards like as mm-hmm. good as some of the S tiers and other commanders, but Gruul did have a lot of just like pretty good cards. So I liked I like Gruul. Gruul's cool. Yeah, and I, I like Gruul. It's probably my second or third favorite guild I after would say. Boros and maybe something else. Yeah, which is surprising because I really don't like green. But Gruul's pretty cool. Yeah. Gruul? cool and <laughs> that also go. we also addressed the uh the legend uh recurring legend of chumbo yeah the, yeah if you don't know about chumbo by now uh get get with the lore good good friend of mine yeah um you know what they say eli not gruel then die exactly to quote a very classic uh chumbo was the first person to say that true he invented that yeah um was that graham that said that uh alex well, yeah, they they quoted that from a magic card. 
that's on a magic card? The magic card quoted Chumbo. Oh, I see. Okay, well, moving on from that, um, we've got the Is It tier list featuring Souls Midwest. Yeah, that, that was a really fun episode. It was nice to have our friend Quinn, Solus Midwest, there so that I didn't have to talk as much. Yeah. Oh, also, I lied earlier. The Gruel tier list is when I started putting up the card images, not the Selesnia one. Oh, yeah. My mistake. So. But yeah, Solus Midwest, a good friend of mine and yours, you like Quinn. He's uh, he does he's like a you know streamer. I guess technically that would kind of count as our second guest. Like, it wasn't a podcast, yeah. but it was still nice to have somebody else on there. Check him out. He's a really cool guy. He plays... Uh, uh, shooter games and stuff like that on Twitch. Um, mm-hmm. Really awesome. Very kind, genuine person. So if you uh, engage with his content, he'll absolutely, uh, you know, he'll talk to you back. He'll get in the chat maybe if he's if he's it, paying attention. If to he's it. paying attention, he's, but, he's a little in the zone sometimes. But he's a very well-meaning and very kind guy. Very good friend of ours. Sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta be a, you gotta be an FPS gamer and just kind of zone in. Yeah, I mean, if you really like want to get his attention, like you can leave a threat in his chat or something. Yeah, be like, <laughs> no, if you don't do that. <laughs> okay. But... Um, but this was a fun episode. Is that's got a lot of interesting and and cool commanders, a lot of powerful ones. Yeah, mainly why we needed uh, Quinn on there was because I could not care less about Is it. <laughs> I care about it less than Selesny, I think. Yeah, and and Quinn's an avid. Uh, he played several Is it decks in the past, so it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from there. Episode sixteen, the tribal trap. This is another. This is another one of the the, the me episodes because I freaking it's it's kind of funny. My first um, deck that I built from scratch in Commander, technically my first deck was an Olaro Ageless Ascetic deck, but that was a precon that I maybe upgraded a little bit. After that, my first deck that I built was a Maronar Rat Tribal deck. So it's kind of funny for that to be my first deck, and then for me to later on say. I hate tribal, so take from that what you will. But I, I, I may hate tribal, but I do love small tribal packages and decks. And I think that was something that was the idea for this podcast was that sometimes playing a lot of the bad tribal cards is a trap, and maybe just stick with the good ones, and you'll have a better deck. Yeah, it's a little bit all in, is what it feels like to me. Yeah, and we're a, we have this kind of uh, maybe it's a fun policey like curmudgeonly attitude of just. Just play good cards. You'll have now, good... your definition of good cards might might differ, but just play good cards. Yeah, that's. I think most commander players can agree with that. Play good cards. Yeah, you'll have a better time. Yeah, um, but moving on from that, uh, Eli. Next episode, what we got? Oh, I wanted to mention too the uh, tribal trap. I believe is our currently highest viewed uh, video podcast on the YouTube video. Channel. That's awesome. So that's interesting. I think. Yeah, but yeah, the the next one we did. We're getting we're getting to the modern age. Like this is getting pretty close. I feel. like. Yeah, you know, like the Age of Empires when you like level up, when you like tier up or whatever. We're at the we're at the the, the modern era now. Yeah, we've uh, accessed we've, gunpowder. Yeah, we've, we've gone past we've gone past the castle age. We've got musket men. You better watch out. Yeah, we did uh, deconstructing salt. So this sort of uh, tied back a little bit to some previous topics, such as the politics, politics episode, go wrong, spirit of EDH. And we wanted to talk about certain things, reasons people might get salty, and and ways that people might express salt. Ways you can circumvent it, things like that. Um, and, you know, this was just a... a it's hard to, to, to boil this down to one or two sentences. 
Um, so if you're really interested, maybe go back and listen to it. But it was a, I think it was it was a very introspective episode. Yeah, and it kind of turned into a discussion on mental health and magic, and and I'd like to uh, have topics like that sometimes, addressing more real world things. Yeah, I think we've done that uh, a couple times since then as well. Like for in our new episode, which I don't want to jump ahead to, but like mm-hmm. I feel like mental health and stuff like that kind of does come up in our in our podcast at least once or twice. Yeah, because I think it's, uh, just, just so you know, if you're a Magic player or playing with Magic players, you do have mental health issues. <laughs> Your <laughs> you brain mean, is if, wrong. If you're, if you're a Magic player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't mean, that's, that seems... That's a little... joking. It's a joke. Uh, we respect mental yeah. health here. Very, very serious topic. Yeah, very serious, but... Yeah, mostly that's, just, you know, because Magic is the worst. Yeah, but I love it. <laughs> I can't. I can't get away. Um, you want to move on to the next the next podcast episode? Yeah, we did the hunt, which was our we reapproached the cards we dig sort of deal, but we really tempered it back this time, keeping it to one card per color. So we each had five cards to talk about, I believe. Oh no, six because we did a multicolored card too. Yeah, and we discussed. Also, the idea, we thought it would be good to have a tie-in to that sort of thing, mm-hmm. so we could do like a 50-50 in an episode, and we'll probably do that in the future. I like that idea of, if we're going to do a set review kind of thing, tying it in as a 50-50 to some mm-hmm. other bigger topic. Yeah, and so we talked about different strategies or types of cards that really like put our hackles on edge and make us feel a little more aggressive in the game, or even more, more defensive, mm-hmm. and just things that we are almost sort of afraid of and we feel like we need to assess more heavily things you need to hunt down to stop them before they they go off the rails maybe that's the thing to say something that was interesting that i just want to bring up and if i can i'll try to say this in less than three minutes um because i i'm i'm one to ramble and i'm doing it now but interestingly enough in that episode we talked about (laughs) salti you know as being like a, a color combination that often is like known for its like value engines and stuff like that oh yeah but funnily enough, we talked about salt eyes being a huntable color, simic, mono blue, and mono black. So everything in the salt eye pair, except for Demir, which somehow just is able to not be a problem at all. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? like I I feel like I see a Demir deck, and, and I'm not just... I'm not like like it's not like it's a bad deck or anything, but it doesn't it doesn't put me on edge. It doesn't make me think, oh okay, yeah. they're gonna. Whereas like mono blue, mono black, you know, you have access to the really good mono stuff, like in like stuff like high tide stuff, like Cabal Coffers, um, and then Selesnya, of course, right? Yeah, or not Selesnya, sorry, I think Simic. It's mostly the commanders, because if I see a Demir deck, I'm usually thinking it's some gimmicky shit. It's like Rogue Tribal. It's a mill deck. Yeah, what's like the best Demir commander, like Araumi or something? I don't know. Yeah, when really like the the top end Demir commander is probably. Some combo deck or some like really aggressive reanimator deck, or like the Scarab God. I don't know, like what? Yeah, that's like, pretty good. But like, what's like? It's not like it's doing anything super oppressive. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, moving on from that, we've got the Power Level Paradox, episode nineteen, which is our episode. I think this is a big one that we did. Like this one took a while. Yeah. This um, one I think was around two hours long. Yeah. Us. T- it was us talking about. Um, the whole big power level discussion. This one was very fun because I think we we got to engage with a lot of um, other podcasts and other media. So we got to look at like um, you know a bunch of po- other podcasts like MTG Goldfish, um, EDH Trek, and stuff like that. And uh, 
look at how they approach the power level um, discussion and maybe give our own takes about that. Yeah, we took a bunch of different takes and then we gave our own. Yeah, and it was that's that's uh, kind of the idea of the podcast, I suppose, a little bit. Yeah, and I and I like that. That was really a perfect example of what we're kind of trying to do. What we're about, yeah. And I, I like that one too because sometimes we'll. Uh, We'll have topics and they're inspired by something a different creator has said or just a general idea in the community. But it's kind of, it, it feels like a little bit of a straw man sometimes for us to do that. Yeah. Whereas this one, we we took quotes and clips and I tried really hard to interpret what people said charitably yeah. and accurately mm-hmm. and not be so... Like, oh, there's a command zone. They're yeah. dumb. There's a term, a term called steel manning, which is the idea that you, if you steel man someone's position, you try to build up their position to be as strong as it possibly can be so you can argue against the best version of their argument. I like that. Yeah. So that's, I feel like that's kind of what we did, um, as well as, like you said, Eli, taking specific clips and quotes. Like, we weren't just, like, arguing against nobody. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was very nice. Because... You know, people had some pretty dumb opinions, so we didn't have to invent their opinions for them. They could they could be dumb on on their own. I'm just kidding. Um, but after that, we got uh, episode 20, getting very close to current year. Yeah, the 20- Halloween special. And it was really spooky because it was my fucking nightmare. Because <laughs> I was so wrong several times, and I feel really bad about it. Me too, me too. This was reading the card does not explain the card. It was a it was an, a topic about how confusing magic rules are and stuff like that. Going against that age-old adage that the professor maybe created or something. However, we, uh, we did get a very nice and uh, very helpful comment from one of our first and favorite... Listeners, <laughs> reassuring us that this actually, see, we, we next leveled it because us getting all these rules wrong just reinforces the point. Exactly. So, thank you for saying that. Yes. Um, one thing that I learned from this episode was um, there were a couple mistakes in the episode. There were more in the pre-edited version. I usually don't um, edit like out things we say, but I double-checked a couple things that we said Um using the judge chat feature, the IRC chat, and found that they were just, like, wrong. So I I took a couple things out. So that was something that I learned. Judge chat is based. Yeah, I would like to address the the main thing that I said that was wrong about effects that gain control of a permanent you don't own, and then you leave the game. Like, say you gilded drake somebody's creature, and then you leave the game. I thought that that card was exiled because how it works is if... If that permanent was never under that player's control, like say you reanimated it somehow. Yeah, or you cast it from the top of their deck or something. Yeah, then the card is exiled when you leave. But if it, if that permanent was ever, if it switched control at some point, if it was under that player's control, yeah. and then you leave the game, it will go back to them. Yep. So that's where the confusion was, because I looked up some ruling and I must have gotten my wires crossed years and years ago. And so I just always thought that's how it worked. And also, I think later on, um, I started talking about how um, how poly artifacts are... I started talking about poly artifacts like they were continuous artifacts, and I just got those mixed up as well. So that's unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's bound to happen, though, sometimes. We'll get a word wrong, or people misspeak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we apologize. But uh, moving on from that, you know, because we gotta, we got to get this oh, moving. Uh, I, oh, what I you want, got? One what more you got? What you got? The Mitch bit. Oh, yeah. pretty good. Was that in this episode? That was reading the cards because he was complaining about... 
Oh yeah, the um the white uh was nitpicking it? rules lawyers. Yeah. If you're if, maybe maybe I'll upload that as like a clip um on the channel. I don't know. What do you guys feel about like taking some bits that we do sometimes and uploading them as clips? Or like for example, if we have like 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 we did like that Murph rant a long time ago. Do you think that would be good to just like be a, a standalone video as well? A good short from that one would be the part where we go to talk about triggered abilities and I say if there's one thing in magic I know it's triggered abilities and then immediately my mind just goes completely blank. and you're like triggered abilities abilities that say like an act of god <laughs> I was struck down in my hubris yeah and but forgot it for a split second and it's a really funny moment yeah but if you're if you're curious I always uh timestamp all the videos so if you want to see the Mitch meme that we do in that episode go back there and there should be like Mitch Mitch supercut or something in the in the timestamps and it's pretty much just like a little goof a little, little 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 you know like a classic H3 meme you know from back in the, from like 2013 or a something a little gaff little, little gaff yeah all right um but at, okay moving on from that present we are last, day present day uh as of uh, recorded this what 2 days ago 3 days ago uh, 2 days ago wow and it's already out impressive <laughs> good good job <laughs> uh this was episode 21, Temper Your Expectations. And I'm going to think for a second, because do I remember anything about this episode? Hmm. Nope. What you got, Eli? Oh, nothing to say. <laughs> so if you're curious about that, go and, uh, go and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in summary, that is all of our content up to present day. Yep. I am incredibly grateful for the following that we managed to garner. I remember the first several months of our channel, we were just like inching up, like really struggling to even get to 40, 50 subs. Yeah. And I think it was after we started doing the tier lists and those started getting into like the thousands of views. That was really, really cool. Uh, once a video gets that much traction and that much, like the, the amount of comments and the views, YouTube might start to recommend it to other people. Mm-hmm. And we're at the point now where I feel like we gain at least one subscriber a day. And that's very, it feels good. And it's very humbling to see all the, the comments and and the likes and just people watching. I'm I'm really happy that people are enjoying the comment. And I'm happy if people aren't enjoying it either, but continue to listen. Yeah. That, that... Hey, a hate listen is still listen. <laughs> well, honestly, that might even like mean more. If someone doesn't like the content or like disagrees but listens, that means that they... Either one, just think it's funny to make fun of us, which we're guilty of doing that sometimes, mm. or two, you know, um, they at least respect it enough to, you know, to, to, to consider the things, even if they disagree. I think you and I were talking about what truly makes a bad movie at one point, and to me, a bad, the worst movie is just the movie that makes you feel nothing. Yeah. Whereas if, if you at least dislike something, it, you feel enough about it to, to feel bad. And I think that's at least more entertaining, more enjoyable than... than yeah, yeah. That's, that's at least something. All right, well, why don't we move on from that, Eli, and, uh, you know, just do, the, do a final thing for this episode really quickly. Give our thanks for the year, because it is Thanksgiving, of course. Yeah. Cards and sets that we are thankful for from 2021. Because I think uh, there shouldn't be another set this year, right? I yeah, don't. Hope. I don't think not so. Squeeze, pop one into December. Surprise! Yeah, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. You know, December twenty fifth. Uh, here you go. Here's uh, Kamigawa early. What do uh, Magic players say every preview season? Oh, it just. We just had a new set one week ago. It kind of is like that, though. Honestly, it, sometimes it, it kind of is. It feels like when a set comes out, like I still haven't gotten the cards in the new set. 
Um, and like the spoilers for the next one just come out, even that if it's is true, even if it's like a leak or something, right? Like, yeah, they start real soon. Yeah, perpetual preview season. That is kind of a thing, but I think the last couple months and going into next year, they've been pr- pretty good. Spacing out a little bit. I like that. They when, just fill the gaps with secret layer drops now. That's fine. I I, I won't. Yeah, I, I can just ignore fine. those. It's, you just, <laughs> just glue up the cracks with the useless shit. Yeah, poggers. Try not to say poggers. Challenge literally impossible. <laughs> Um, okay, Eli, so what are you thankful for? What sets of 2021? I am thankful for Kaldheim. There were some really cool cards in there. I wanted to specifically shout out. Um, we're a big fan of MDFCs. Oh, I love them. And they went away from, I mean, we still had the, uh, the flip land, like yeah. the, the dual color lands, not necessarily like land spell. Yeah, the MDFC. The, what are they? The pathways. Pathways, yeah, those are awesome. But we got the blessed stat one. Yes. Halvar, God of Battle. Four mana, four four. That card is so good in your Aurelia deck. It's and you're not it's not even like a dedicated equipment deck. It's just he's a four mana four four. You put lightning greaves on him. He's got double strike. Yeah, I played a game oh, where I where I I'm pretty sure I, I like on curve swung at someone for like eight or no no, I, I uh I like turn four or turn five Aurelia at someone for twelve. That was it. Oh my god. On a turn. So that's so pretty good. cool. I uh, I do have an equipment deck with with Halvar in it right now, and I've unfortunately, I think I've only ever gotten to cast him like once. Yeah, and that's I, that's why I want to play that deck because it's such a cool card, and I even have the special showcase version in foil, and it looks so good. Yeah, the showcases from Kaldheim, very cool. So yeah, th- those gods um, that are like the two two faced two uh, two sided uh, cards of the equipment are all epic, except for one who I hate. You know the one. Yeah, and uh, conversely. Uh, Toral, God of Fury, very powerful card. Yeah. If you see that as a commander... Be, uh, be, be worried. Yeah, because that plus Blasphemous Act. So I actually, I also put that in my um, my Boros Equipment deck with Arden and Rograk, just because it's a two-man equipment, so it fits into the, the curve the of that theme, deck. The theme, yeah. And if Sometimes, I have to play Toralf, it's just, and I have my Blasphemous Act, win the back game. win condition. Yeah. Very so, cool. Awesome card. Um, also, Kaldheim was very cool in theming. I think the the Viking kind of Norse mythology theme was very cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I mean, um, some of the snow cards. Oh, we got blessed, blessed be her name, Redain, god of god of uh, oh, worthy. Redain is amazing. I love her. I can't believe I forgot to put that on the dock. But yeah, Redain. Thank you for mentioning that. Always good. Yeah. And uh, Fortell, Fort- very good mechanic. Yeah, I, I mean, even the. I mean, I love, I, I've got, like, a, a deck that has, like, five or six Fortel cards, like, and not even playing... Well, it does play some of the bad ones, but, you know, I like I like the mechanic. It's cool. Except for every time I seem to play Fortel cards, you, you play a goddamn Dranath Magistrate, and then I can't <laughs> cast them. Well, people like to complain about wheels in Commander. Just, like, just ship them into Fortel. That is actually kind of a thing. Even you for can later. Fortel three cards, then wheel, and you got ten cards in your hand. Exactly. It's, it's really cool. I love that being able to spend your mana on two. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. good. The only thing that is uh, kind of tricky about Fortell is it seems like every time I Fortell a card on turn two in my white-black deck, all my opponents are like, he's got a board wipe, he's got a board wipe, it's a board wipe. It's always Doomscar. Yeah, but I've got six of them. Come it's on. like the Morph card. It's always Willbender. It's always Doomscar. Yeah, or it's always Willbender, or it's the uh, like uh, Nantuko Vigilante or whatever that like kills a Artifact Enchantment mm-hmm. or whatever. Is that it? Oh, if I got that name right, uh, give this video a like. It's for sure in Nantuko. So yeah, I'm just I think kidding. You got it. Nice. Um, okay, well, the Strixhaven Commander decks, those are really good. We got all the Loreholds stuff, Osgear stuff like that. Um, I know you really love Cursed Mirror. 
Yeah, so this might be a hot take. I've been consuming the the pre-con product for several years now, since start dating back to, I think, 2013, Monocolored Commanders was the first year I bought a Commander Precon. Uh, 2014, Monocolored Commanders. 2014. Yeah. Uh, since then, I've been buying at least one Precon per set, usually. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the best year of Commander since then. I know four-color Commanders were very good, but you always run into this issue of there being one very powerful card in one of the decks oh like like when they put like doxite extortionist in a deck or when they put like true name nemesis back in the yeah, old or days fairies protection or i think at the time deep glow skate oh yeah Traxa i remember that really, that used to be really expensive or even the face commanders i think a Traxa got to be pretty expensive yeah and that deck you couldn't find it anywhere i remember buying out the last one at my local game store for a marked up price because yeah. it was on a, some kind of sale or that something. That was the same thing with the 2013, um, uh, what's her name, Jalera? Jaleva? The Grixis commander deck yeah. had Trian Nemesis, which was a legacy staple, so that deck was, like, not cheap. And I know that the... Uh, wait, 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 one thing. They they, they reprint, they, at some point, they reprinted uh, those those 2013 commander decks um, to stores, and they sent them to stores, and they sent them with... Two Jaleva decks for every one of the other ones. Oh, yeah, I think so that I was funny. That. Um, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, aside from the Osgear deck, I know might go for slightly more than the other decks because it does have the most value. Archaeomancer's map, and yeah, and it yeah. had the uh, Hellkite Tyrant that used to be like a $20 card. Yeah, they yeah, reprinted yeah. in there. Good reprints. Um, I, there really wasn't a bonkers, absurd, expensive staple card. Yeah, like we were saying in the last episode, the most expensive card in there, in that whole set, is about $11 in Archaeomancer's map. Yeah, and that's even a card, I I know some people disagree with me on this, but it's not, it's a good card. It's not like a staple card, it's not a card, say, your deck is suboptimal if you're not playing this. Well, the thing that, I, I mean, it's a great card. The thing that I have against it, a little bit, the, or like not it in particular, but... I've noticed I've been playing a lot of white decks with like these the ketchup mechanics, right? Like what's the the four mana three four? I can never remember this card's name every uh, single time. Dwarven farmer guy. No, 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 no. no. The uh, one that gives you one ones and lands if you have less than your. Opponent. Oh, keeper of the Accord. the good yeah. one. Yeah, um, keeper of the Accord is a great, amazing card. But when you have like four or five effects of these, they they get a little bit worse. So keeper of the Accord and Archaeomancer's map in conjunction are less powerful than you know. Then the, they're less powerful than the sum of its parts, as opposed to being more powerful yeah. than some of its parts. And I think that's what what makes Archaeomancer's map at least kind of good is it baseline. It always gets you two planes in your hand. A divination, so it's bait. a divination, yeah, which is always obviously good. Which is also an artifact, so it's recurrable and with you can do cool stuff. Osgear and stuff like that, yeah. So, but Eli, I think I, I haven't personally played the card yet because I haven't gotten a copy. But I I know you're a big Cursed Mirror fan. Yeah, Cursed Mirror. Uh, so there's been this push from the community to ask for good three mana mana rocks or kind of look back at the days when people played three mana mana rocks and think man that's where it's those at. were the days yeah that doesn't happen much these days but curse mirror so you, you might have uh, if you listen to the blue needs to be stopped episode one of the things that i bemoaned is the ability the the, the clone mechanic of blue yeah and cards like what is it the two mana clone phantasmal image that card at baseline, even if you don't ever attack with it, it's just get an ETB for two mana. And that's really good. That is really good. And having that in, in the form of Curse Mirror, that card is really good. And it also gets in and attacks right away, and then it becomes a mana rock. 
Yeah, and I'm sure you could do pretty reasonable combos with it with, like, stuff that, like, bounces creatures back to your hand and stuff like that. You can play it again. Yeah, my my baseline, just one of my favorite things that I've ever done with Curse Mirror is play Sun Titan, get back a Curse Mirror from my graveyard, make it a Sun Titan, get back another thing. Now, the, the Curse Mirror Sun Titan has haste. Attack with that Sun Titan. It attacks, you get another thing back. Yeah. And then you can also, it has Vigilance, so you can tap it for mana after that. And then it's still a mana rock that sticks around next turn. So your your Sun Titan, if you just like curve into Sun Titan and a couple things you rummage in your graveyard, you effectively, it gives you a mana back and it gets you up to... Six mana of... Or no. Up to nine. Up to nine. Mirror plus yeah, two yeah. more things. Yeah. And that's just, you couldn't do that before. And you still have your regular Sun Titan just chilling. Yeah, so I'm just... I've never been disappointed with that card. So, pick up your copy. I think it's like five bucks or something. Yeah. Um, well worth it. So, Time Tell Remastered was a cool set that came out this year. Um, I know, Eli, we didn't draft it at all or anything, or even buy any product. I bought some sealed... Or I bought some, uh, sorry, singles from it. But a lot of really cool reprints. I love the old frame. I got a couple... I got old frame cards of like Thraben Inspector, Palace Jailer. You got a Kiki Jiki. I got a Kiki Jiki. Nice. I think I don't remember. Maybe I got a Nature's Claim old frame. I really love the old frame cards. There's a lot of really cool ones there. Recommend those a lot, and they're not super pricey for the most part. Yeah, that was almost a set that I forgot about too, but it was really good for getting good reprints out there. Oh yeah, I got an old border Resto Angel. It's really nice. Yeah, I love it. Good stuff. Good and, set. And then the last set we got to talk about today is the big one. The best one. The best one of the year. The best one in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Modern Horizons 2. Awesome set. So many cards to talk about. Yeah, I think, uh, while I might have... I don't know. if I, I was thinking when Modern Horizons 2 came out if I liked Modern Horizons 1 a little bit more. But I think, uh, looking back, Modern Horizons 2... Really growing on you? Yeah, like we've got... I made this whole big list of cards, and we're probably not going to talk about every single card Just on the name list. them, yeah. But, oh my god, Esper Sentinel? Best white card in... At least since uh, since Commander Legends, right? Yeah. Maybe I, even further. Honestly, I think this is going to be crazy. I'm going to get crucified. Since Teferi's Protection? I think... To, to me, Teferi's Protection is the, the best white yeah, card. Yeah, but printed since then. Um, I think Esper Sentinel is, like, is better than Smothering Tide. So you think it's like top five white cards ever? Possibly for Commander. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a hot take, by the way, about the Smothering Tithe. But I mean, I I love me an Esper Sentinel, so great, great card. Yeah, big um, fan. Um, the the Solitude, the in that cycle, the elemental elementals invocations. Yeah, yeah, very cool. They're all very good. I think I would say Solitude's the best one. It's the most expensive one too. I think. I think it's 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 very expensive now. Be careful. Yeah. Uh, because modern and stuff, but great card. Love it. Yeah, that whole cycle, very good. I know people are complaining that Fury didn't have Flash. Like, Well, Fury and the black one, um, Grief, yeah. don't have Flash, but that's fine. It's still good. Grief doesn't have Flash for a good reason. They don't like printing um, great, uh, hand disruption at instant speed. because yeah, it's, it's they, awkward. Because then you can do it like on the draw step before they can play their card. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what we got, Sarah's Emissary. That's a really cool card they made. Um, Archon of Cruelty is the big, big black uh, kind of reanimation card. Uh, Payoff, that's an yeah, awesome so it's card. It's kind of an honorary titan. Honorary titan, it's 8 ETB mana, but attack. It, it does awesome things. I've played, it, good. I've played it to good success. Oh my god, Dothy Voidwalker. Are we thankful for this one? This is a, a pretty hot topic, hot button topic, because this is a card that's very divisive. Either 
you think it's a mistake that they printed or you're really happy with it. And I'm not sure how I feel, honestly. It's very powerful. The only thing is, I've only seen people play it in pretty casual settings, so it hasn't really been a problem. Like, like a big problem. But it has been great. It has been uh, graveyard hate, stopping my skull clamps and stuff like that. Well, I remember the first time I ever saw it activated, we were playing a game, Spencer, and we got into this big stack battle, kind of counter-spell war. Yeah. And people, you and Quinn were countering each other's spells, and I did a deflecting SWAT, and it was all over somebody's, I think your clone legion. Sure. And it gets to the end of it, and and nobody's really won, I think, but our friend Jesse cracks his Dothy Void Walker, and he gets the, the, clone, the legion. clone legion. Yeah, he, he like redirects it to himself. Yeah. After everything. Um, and this was out of his... Uh, his do- his shadow tribal deck. So this wasn't even like a you know a really crazy you know it was it was it was in there because it has shadow. Mm-hmm. So very cool, great card though. Great yeah, card. Very, really good. Very good card. Uh, then we have Dam. Very cool modal board wipe. I love Dam. It's it's the kind of card that makes me want to play those colors. Honestly, it makes mm-hmm. me want to play an Orzov or Orzov plus deck because that card just feels good. Yeah, really cool. Um, we got a couple uh, notable reprints. I'm going to shout out here. Um. In Modern Horizons 2, namely Patriarch's Bidding and Imperial, Imperial Recruiter. Recruiter. Yeah. Both of which used to be very expensive. I got my first copy of Imperial Recruiter um, from this set, and I've been very happy with it. Would not have been able, would not have bought one. Before. It was at a point, I'm not sure if it is right now, but it was sub ten dollars, which Yeah, I think it is ago, I think it is now. I remember the first time they reprinted Imperial Recruiter in a master set, and it and I like, got one what, for like, like forty bucks. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, this is gonna be my best shot ever. But yeah, get that card. It's really good. Um, same with Patriarch's Bidding. That card used to be insanely expensive because it had never been reprinted since like the 90s. Yeah. It, I think its first was copy it? was in um, Torment. Or, oh, Torment. And uh, now that card's like a dollar. Dollar fifty, yeah. So really good. Even in non-tribal decks like we talked about in the tar- Tribal Trap, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, some cool uncommons in this set. Uh, Dragon's Rage Chandler. Really cool one drop. Yeah, really good in some of the Spellslinger decks. Really good in Modern and Legacy. Oh, Flame Tongue Yearling. Uh, um, baby Kavu. Yeah, Baby Kavu. We love me a Kavu, so can't, no complaints there. Oh, we got Dushivam Proud, Eli. Rogavon. Yeah, Rogavon. Um, the $100 uh, one drop that everyone wants, to, every, every aggro player wants to play yeah. but can't afford. Yeah, I want one so bad. I have it proxied right now to like test out, but I would, I would gladly trade for one if I knew somebody who got one, but nobody did. Mm-hmm. So, very, very good card. Um, got the Obsidian Charma. That's kind of a, a, it's an interesting card. I don't think many people will play this because it's kind of mean. I really like the idea of it. I, I got one because they were like 50 cents. They're, and I was like, that's a steal. They don't work so yeah, good. They don't cost anything. But I have yet to put in a deck. Because I just don't know what I would play it in. Because it seems... Yeah. It was real good. Um, we got Classic as Random Artica Dice Nicoldicar. Yeah, which became sort of a, a thing that we would, we would say before recording. Yeah, you know... Like um, tongue twister. What was it? Uh, High School Musical, I think? Where they, where they do the... Ma, is that High School Musical? Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Except we say, we say, uh, as Miranda Merkadai is going to cold car, um, sometimes <laughs> uh, loosen the lips, as they say. Um, oh, I just want to mention um, the suite of planeswalkers in this set were really cool. You got, I believe, off the top of my head, Grist, Dakon, and whatever the Grixis girl's name is. 
I don't remember her name, but those were all pretty cool. I think Dak or I think um, Gris is, is a bit pricey, but Dakon and the Grixis one are like one or two dollars. So you can pick those up if you want something. They fun. are all very unique planeswalkers. That's what I like about them. They, they're very they they're very cool. There was a kind of a meme back in the day about modern planeswalker design. How every planeswalker had basically oh. the three abilities: the plus one draw card, card advantage, yeah. minus kill removal, a thing. And ultimate win the game. <laughs> that is that, that, that and do be like kind that. of true, but I'm I'm a big fan of these more niche planeswalker designs that you know don't go in every deck, but back yeah. on or like that three cool. mana Kaya that like it's like plus one like car, exile and like yeah it's graveyard hate or it kill a one drop a one drop or a token and then like it's like a minus five for the and ultimate. it's minus doesn't even really do that much, but it's it's cool it's utility yeah they're interesting at least. Um, a couple more cards just to mention. We got Priest of Felrites. Love that card. Very cool. Um, Void Mirror is interesting. A lot of people were, that was pretty divisive. Yeah. Thinking it might be oppressive. For the, for the colorless decks. Yeah. And I don't think. And people getting confused thinking it would shut off them playing their mana rocks when no, you just no. tap your colored lands. Yeah. Um... Sword of Hearth and Home. Oh, baby, I love you. I love you. And it's pretty cheap, too. I think it's sub $10 right now. Yeah. So New Aurelia combo? Uh, top three sword. I would say top two sword, personally, but I'd put it at number two yeah. behind Feast and Famine. Um, you could argue, I guess, by Fire Knights or something, right? Probably. Mm-hmm. But whatever. That's not what we're talking about. Um, oh, Eli, I know there's a card you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. So... We are not thankful for this card. Gaia's Will. The Yogmoth's Will was Suspend 4. Four turns is forever. Everyone on Magic Twitter, when, when this set was getting spoiled, the, the Circle Jerk was bad. The green hate. Every green card oh, yeah. would come out. It was just... It, this was like the time people were like, Green gets everything! They get to reprint Gaia's Will! <laughs> Yeah, they got a Yawgmoth's Will now. Oh my god, they got oh, a, they got a two mana anthem. Oh yeah, it's busted. Uh, I I just wanted to say, you know, that first of all, that two mana anthem, not a big fan of that one. It, it's okay, I guess, mm-hmm. but Gaia's Will, literally poopy dog shit. I've never seen the card to do anything, and I and I think it's was the most overrated card in that set for Commander. I made a Sithis the Harvest Hand deck. To pretty much prove a point about how good I thought Sithis might be. Just out of cards that I owned. Nothing special. And I put Gaia's Will in there. I think I played it one game. Y'all killed me. Yeah. Did not (laughs) That's what that card says. It says, make me die. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really... I have never seen anyone play it. Yeah. I can't imagine it ever being good unless maybe, I guess, you cascade into it maybe. What is the blue one? It ta- oh, it, oh, blue one takes someone's creature. For, is it treachery, right? Yeah. Or not treachery. What is it? Is it treachery? Is that the um, card? No. Bribery. Bribery. Sorry. I think the blue one might be one of the best ones, or the tutor. I think are the two yeah, really good but ones. Yeah, even that being the suspend cards, really. I guess the red one's kind of so, interesting too. Yeah. It's, Whatever. They're just it's telegraphed and suspend four is really it's it's a lot too too long. Because say you do that turn one. That's <laughs> I I have a story uh, playing in this is not commander but playing in the pre-release for that set my opponent suspended that on like turn three or four or something 
And by the time it went off, they had nothing in their graveyard to to, to exactly. Test. If you do it at the time you should, because you want to make sure you get to those four turns in the game, you don't know for sure what's going to be in your graveyard. Yeah. So even, like the thing is, you suspend that, and everyone just makes sure they have some graveyard hate. Sure. Or and then just... it comes off, and you it was one mana discard a card. Yeah. So, um, bit, terrible card. Not a fan. All right, Eli. Last but not least, we got. Fetchlands, woo! Fetchlands, Fetchland, Zendikar fetches, which were which are you know were, were very pricey, and now they are not pricey, and now the onslaught fetches slash uh, onslaught slash uh, uh, what is it? What's the set? Drag Tarkir. There you go. Yeah. Fetches are are the most most pricey fetches, which is funny. Thanks to this set, I have an arid mesa for every Boros deck. Let's go. And yeah, I. We usually I don't buy boxes, but this seemed like a good set to crack some packs and very fun. Yeah, roll the dice. I think we both bought a box. I got the God box. I got nine Fetchlands. Pretty based. It was super based. Mine wasn't that good, but I'm not complaining too much. Mine was fine. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's what we got right for the uh, for, for the thankful for set stuff this year. Yeah, I think it's been a good year. Good year. Yeah, you know they they was funny. 2020 year of commander. 2021, also the year of Commander. The year of EDH takes. The year of EDH takes. (laughs) And don't worry, we got two more coming, hopefully. Christmas special. Yep, and uh, another one. So, hey, uh, take care, guys. Um, Follow the Twitter, subscribe. What we're most thankful for is all of you for subscribing. Toughing it out. (laughs) Yeah, leaving a comment. Um, Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter, like you said, at EDH Takes, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do more stuff. Yeah, new some, gonna... some new stuff coming. Yeah, get ready. Twenty twenty two is the year of EDH Takes. <laughs> yeah, watch out. Watch out. Uh, All right. Yeah. Bye. Wait.